I'm sitting here with the lovely Shalina. And I'm sitting here with the lovely Nika. Welcome to What's Your Safe Word? A podcast about declarations of resistance by us, Women at the Center. So, we got our first sponsor. Woo woot! Yeah! So JAF Pool Service is a small, reputable pool company serving the GTA, which specializes in pool services such as pool opening and closing, maintenance liner and coping replacement, leak detection and renovations. JAF is known for building respectful and honest relationships with customers and responding to client needs with expediency and efficiency. To book your consultation or for more information, visit www jafpoolservice.com or call 905-820-7530. I love them. Yes, thank you so much for sponsoring us first. Very, very, very nice. And if you would like to have your ad read on this podcast, you can email us at podcast at womenatthecenter.com. So, what are we drinking? We are drinking Fresh Beginnings. It's a Moscato wine, 2017. It's VQA Niagara Pen- Peninsula. You're pour for it's not a popper. It's not. That's good. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Nicely done. Oh. Do you like that? This is Shalina. This is this is No, the, this is like a drier Moscato. No, this is all you. This is this is all you. But okay. it's it's actually it's actually <laughs> it's not as sweet as the usual. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not a sweet Moscato. I can do this. Yeah. I can okay. do this. And we'll we'll come back to this at the end of the end of the podcast yes. and, and give our reviews. Okay. So let's check in. Let's you, check in. Okay. Do you want to start with success? You start. Okay. I'm gonna start <laughs> with my success. So, my success is this week, my, my ice maker has been broken <laughs> for like a year, and it has been the bane of my existence, as well as my dishwasher broke, oh dear. like two months ago, right before a work retreat with all of these wonderful women, oh dear. and this week, they were both fixed. And I am just singing hallelujah in my kitchen right now. Do you know how, how bizarre it is that we're living in a, in a world where broken ice makers and, and dishwashers, <laughs> and dishwashers yeah. are the, the banes of our existence? Right? But I'm here for that. Yeah. I actually, I actually I've never done more dishes in the past, like, two months. In, like, I don't know, five years. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so that's my success. Okay. My success is um, my sunshine, uh, and I'm saying it is my success. My sunshine got engaged to a lovely, lovely, lovely young woman called Ellen, and I'm taking, I'm making it a success because I raised him, mm-hmm. and he is, he's awesome, and he's chosen a really, really wonderful young woman who is that she's a feminist. You've all met, you met her, yeah, right? you yeah. met her, and um, tomorrow we're going to look at some. Uh, venues for the wedding and I'm just very excited that I have you know sort of one one down one out of the door <laughs> and, <laughs> and two to follow so I'm, I think that's a, that's a huge success that is. Yeah, that's, good. that's exciting mm. um, my mental noise is this like the past two weeks 
I've had conversations with two people close to me um, that were having like, one was having some issues like within her relationship and like with a friend and anyway, but both had incredibly similar themes where they were needing a lot of external validation from people other than spouses. Mm. And so like really wanting to be like wanted and desired by by other people, not the people that they're in a relationship mm-hmm. with. And so I ended up having like two different conversations with two totally different people about this exact same thing. Mm. And it's interesting because like I don't find that I need this. I used to when I was mm. younger. And then going through my social work and understanding like the male gaze and what the male gaze does to like mm. women's bodies and stuff. I was like, I no longer need men. <laughs> I don't need men to find me desirable. I don't need men to find me like wantable. Like I'm good. I'm good without it. So anyway, but the two people that I talked to obviously didn't go through that same process and are still finding this years after like being in long-term relationships and like married and things like that. And so anyway, it was very interesting talking to them and like telling them a lot about like like internal desire mm-hmm. and like self-love and things like that. And then I found a quote and I actually sent it to both of them. And it's, if outside validation is your only source of nourishment, you will hunger for the rest of your life. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I don't know who said it. I just saw it on Instagram and they didn't have like a, a person. Attribution. Yeah. But I think that's like a very true statement. Like you have to be like internally Mm-hmm. happy and I mean like it's not the same thing where people are like oh you have to love yourself before you love it I don't think that's true I think you can love other people without really understanding how to love mm-hmm. yourself yeah Lizzo said that Lizzo has a thing that's like if you can love me then you can love yourself mm-hmm. which is like because she's this you know fat ah. black woman that's this amazing singer and like kind of is standing for body positivity and so yeah. she's like if you can love me and my body and who I am yeah then you can also love yourself Oh, That's a dynamic. which I love. <laughs> yeah. So that was like my mental noise was like, you know, really understanding and like unpacking the way that external validation has and like also the impact. I think people don't always, you know, comprehend how much we need internal validation too yeah. and like internal love and stuff like that. So anyway, that was my mental noise. Well, um, my mental noise, uh, Again, continuing the theme of my my children was that my my youngest Christiana was talking about the level of societal anxiety mm-hmm. over all the stuff that's happening in, in the states, and this particular conversation sort of came off the heels of the shootings in in the Ohio two shootings, right? The two shootings in the weekend, and how the whole white supremacy and the conversation about angry young white men who were committing acts of terrorism, domestic terrorism in the States, and yet how the American government is not naming it as such. Mm-hmm. And, but then how it's translating out into the broader society. That she, she was feeling initially the sense of heightened anxiety. And then she realized that it's not white supremacy that's going to kill everybody. It's actually, and, and the, she, she called it like it's a bait and switch that we're focusing on the wrong issues because what's actually going to eradicate humanity is not white supremacy or third, third world or the nuclear, it's the environment. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, yes. And yeah. how how nobody is really, really talking, sort of the general population is not talking about mm -hmm. the immediate and threatening impact that of environmental um, you know, deterioration is going to have. And then my baby said that she's, she doesn't think she's going to have children. And then it, it all became about me for a minute, right? <laughs> it all turned to, what do you mean you're not going to have children? And, I, and then I started sort of reeling back in and thinking, holy fuck, yeah. the environment and white supremacist is going to mean that I'm not going to have grandchildren with yeah. So that was a, a huge mm. mental, it seems silly, but mm, it's, not silly. it's not silly, is it? It no. was it was mental noise and that's I'm, I'm bringing it, it's real. Um, she also called herself nihilistic. Yes, I was telling you. Yeah, and I had to look up that word. And then I actually showed that word to other people because I was like, do you know what this means? Because I am so smart. Um, but anyway, it's coming to terms with the whole fact that life is meaningfulist. Meaning meaningless. Meaningless, thank yes. you. But I saw this tweet that goes along with your thing. Ivanka Trump tweeted out, white supremacy, like all other forms of terrorism, is an evil that must be destroyed. And somebody commented back going, all in caps, the call is coming from inside the house. House. <laughs> <laughs> inside your house. Inside your house. Yeah. Anyway, that's freaking that. hilarious. That's, hilarious. Yeah, that Not is hilarious, funny. but I mean, like, no. call it what it is. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. Uh, gratitude. My gratitude is that I had a wonderful weekend um, with somebody new in our life mm. and meeting like very important people to them and yeah just like ab about developing relationships and like mm. blossoming um feelings and relationships and things like that mm. and also like it's it's exciting to go through new things and like meet people that are important to people that are newly important to you mm. and so um yeah, my gratitude is for welcoming hearts and inviting arms and just like super wonderful souls. Gosh, that's so poetic. Yeah. My gratitude is to my all of you, um, all of my team at the organization. And I, I want to give a special gratitude to one of our stalwarts. Her name is Janet Champagne. And sh that woman is a fucking rock star. She is so brilliant and fearless and bold. And I'm, I'm grateful to her because she makes us, I think all of us can attest to this, she makes us all, you know, stop, think about what we're doing, think about why we're doing what we're doing, and brings this whole sense of re- affirmation about the importance of survivors coming into this space and treating each other with respect so my love and my gratitude for this past week goes out to jc <laughs> jc cheers let's give a cheers to her there we go yep awesome i think so too so today today we have a really interesting conversation that's going to happen and it's around uh, speaking to children of survivors um, and as you all know this is an organization that is created by and for women and women identified survivors of all forms of violence and several members of my team 
have talked about the fact that their their mothers had experienced some form of interpersonal inter inter partner violence, and I wanted us to explore what it means from the child's eye, from the child's perspective, from the child's lived realities. And so today, not only Shalina, but we have. Do you want to jump in and introduce yourself? Hi everyone. I know you've missed me. Um, it's Kara. <laughs> of course you've missed you. I was on the last one, right? No. Uh, no. Two. See? Are they missed? Yeah. 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 I'm back. Yeah, Kara's back. <laughs> and joining us is our super fabulous podcast producer, Amanda. Hi. Hi. They haven't missed me as much, but they've been still missed me. You're here all the time. All the time. And so today is really um, an opportunity for the audience to get an insight into the lived realities of, of children whose mothers had experienced um, some form of violence. Yeah. And it's an opportunity for the children who are now adult women to really talk about what it was like for them as a way, I think for me, what I'm hoping to get out of this is if there are men out there in the, in the community who are listening who are doing this type of violence against their partners or have done this type of violence to their partners and they have children or are thinking of doing this, I want you to really listen to these young women who will share with you how it's, it impacted them when at the time it was happening, mm -hmm. how it's impacted them sort of on the trajectory of their journeys and to stop and think to really, really stop and think and understand that what you're doing is not just impacting that one woman, that partner, but it's trickling, it's not actually trickling, it's exploding mm. in the lives of your children. <laughs> so this is going to be a really phenomenal conversation. That's all our conversations mm -hmm. are. That's all our conversations are. I know we did this for one other episode too, but just obviously we haven't had this conversation yet, so I don't know what's going to come up, but if you're... Um, in any way going through this or have been through this like I think we should just say like that some of the topics in this conversation could be sensitive so just make sure that if you're listening you have the supports around you that you need um, and yeah so if you can listen then please do and if you can't we understand that too. So I want to actually start by going around and just having each of you share just a little bit about as much as you want to share about your journey from then to now. Oh, <laughs> in, and I, I'm not interested in the sort of the, the details of any of that stuff, but just your reflection of how you you lived through it. Who wants to start? I, I got a finger pointing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought she was pointing. Should we just point to Amanda? <laughs> I um yeah, I don't want to get into too many details. It's just not my um, story to share, but. My parents split up when I was pretty young. Um, I would have been, I was in grade two, so however old you're in there around that age. And um, I think my understanding of it has really changed throughout my time growing up. I think at first it was like a complete lack of understanding or just awareness, like I had no idea what was going on. Um, and then as I got older, I think I started to see more what was happening um, from afar. And then I also started to kind of see it happening like very close to home and started kind of having stuff happen to me. And then 
as I got older, I started to contextualize what was happening to me in terms of like a broader system of violence against women. Because mm, yeah. um, I think when you're that young, you don't like it, 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 you can't contextualize it. It's just, at least for me, there was no way that I could understand that like what was happening to me and to my family was also happening to others, others and mm-hmm. not just others as in like some other people, but as in like, no, this is a very patterned systematic thing that is happening. Um, and so I think that that helped me understand it in a lot of ways and helped me process just in like a similar way that like anytime you can kind of label something it gives you like a new understanding of it like it gives you that context that helps yeah. you kind of position yourself within it um but I think that simultaneously that doesn't make any of the like kind of pain that you've accumulated through it go away just mm-hmm. because all of a sudden you have this like oh this is happening elsewhere that doesn't like dissipate um yeah, so I think that it's something that still lives with me very much every day. Um, and I think, I mean, we can get into it more, but I think generally speaking, uh, yeah, I think it's something that, like, you carry with you, or at least I carry with me every day. And I think that some days it's, like, front and center and you're like oh this is something that I have to deal with and other days it's like oh this is just a part of who I am mm-hmm. um yeah does that make sense that's, that's yeah. per- brilliant absolutely yeah. absolutely profound and brilliant um I'm trying really hard not to cry because I'm like trying to think of all these things like mm-hmm. I want to say and then it's like bringing up emotions but for me like it, it affected my relationship with my mom because like she was always in relationships, but I wasn't there for the relationship with my father. She said my father was abusive to her. And so for her, it's been normalized to the point where she will stomach it, and then I've been a part of witnessing that, and then being the therapist after, and like trying my very hardest not to add more stress or be that trigger for her, and then seeing her going through all that and trying to be there for her. And then having to watch her go back to the same person, I just, in my head, brought her out of, or nourished her, or or bandaged her from. And then I think as it went on, I kind of distanced myself and made it her problem because there was only so much pain I could go through over and over again being in it. Like I Mm -hmm. felt like I was in the Mm -hmm. middle of that relationship Mm -hmm. because when he left, someone had to be there for her Mm -hmm. and then she would go back and then that would be like okay so what why did I even why do I even care Mm -hmm. and so for now it's still hers because I can't hold that space for her anymore the only thing I could do is try to speak to her about what the relationship she's in and how abusive they are but for her it's been so normalized Mm -hmm. she's willing to stomach it and I'm not so at this point I've put up boundaries mm-hmm. in how much I'm willing to engage because we to. we can't blame the victims, but at some point I'm a victim as well and I can't continue to stay or 
be in relationships I'm not consenting to. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so at, at some point it becomes mm-hmm. harmful in itself mm-hmm. and I can't put that on her. So in order not to put that on her and blame her for continuing to, for staying in the, mm-hmm. these abusive yeah, situations, yeah. I've taken myself out and I've given her the space that she needs to work through it, but I can't always put my whole self in it anymore. Yeah. So she can always come to me. I will say the same thing over and over again. You need to do better for yourself. You need to. There's only so much I can say. But at the end of the day, I know that she will always, like, not always go back because relationships have ended. But she will always fall into these Pattern? these comfortable patterns for her. And because the abuse has happened for so long, she doesn't see it anymore. Like she knows it happens, but she will just say, "Oh, that's just life. That's love." At one point, she said, "She said to me, if they don't, if they don't abuse you, they don't love you." And so we've worked through that. So now she understands that's not okay. But at some point in her head, she, this is what she's grown up with, and this is what she's lived through, and it's not my place. Mm-hmm. But uh, at some point, I have to choose myself. Mm-hmm. And but I will be there for her. But at the end of the day, like I will, I I have to choose me. Yeah. yeah. Found. My girl. I love you, Kara. Thanks, <laughs> I mean, it's okay to cry. Yeah, it's okay. To cry. I know, but <laughs> but that was super vulnerable. Both of you were. Thank yeah. you both for sharing that. Um. So I was I was very young when my mom and biological dad split up. Uh, I think I was like one, and really? he was super abusive in every Watching because my mom became associated with a certain violence against women uh, organization, and she was like this young, pretty white woman that would that organization would kind mm. of show out. pony her, <laughs> yeah. and like she would go and like talk and do these speeches and stuff. So and so uh, they were videoed, and so I actually grew up watching these violence against women speeches and videos and there was like two that i would watch on like replay all the time yeah and so i actually listened to her story even though like i was very young and so i remember like emotions like i remember the way i felt because i had to see him after and stuff Mm. like that um i don't i i never physically like saw anything with my biological dad but I grew up listening to like the story right. from her own mouth with these speeches. And so like, I think, I don't know if that's what caused it or if it was like the fear that I could tell my mom had around me and like keeping me safe or whatever, but I developed like unbearable separation anxiety from my mom. Mm-hmm. And so like I always needed to be with her, always. Like her trying to drop me off anywhere. I started Montessori when I was like 18 months old. And so her trying to drop me off at Montessori, I would have to go from like her arms to the teacher's arms. And like if the principal who was a man at the time came anywhere close to me, I would like scream. Wow. And so that was at like 18 months old. So like wow. I think it had already been yeah, kind of like into me that like men were scary and like to be afraid of them. Um, although I had like a wonderful grandfather, a papa, that you know, was a great man, but also died when I was six. Um, but yeah, and then so like, 
I think understanding that that was like physical, that was all types of abuse. And then after my mom became uh, in a relationship with another man that ended up being my sister's dad, and there was no physical abuse, but there was a lot of emotional and like mental abuse that was happening and financial abuse and like things like that. And so I think I was almost able to recognize it before she was. Mm -hmm. So like I knew very young and very at the beginning that I did not like this man, that there was like something that mm. wasn't like particularly right with him. Mm. And and I think like growing up, she was with him for like, you know, 10 years or something. But growing up, I definitely, I'm the one that kind of told my mom and like tried to warn her and like things like that. So, How old were you? Um, well, they were 14 when I broke up. So, and like, they were, so maybe four to 14. Wow. Um, so like within that time, it was me like, you know, whatever. Um, and then during that time, I think like the things that stand out for me the most is I, I still like struggled with separation anxiety from her, but anytime I was away, I was scared. She, I was scared to check in with the house because mm -hmm. I was scared. I was scared that she was dead. Like I was scared, um, even though I never watched him do anything physically to her. And like, as far as everybody knows, like even her account of what happened, nothing physical ever happened to her from him. But like, I remember going on a trip to Quebec and my mom gave me like a calling card and like mm. all this stuff and all the other students, you know, peers called their parents and like talked to them and I didn't call my mom once. Mm. And then, and I remember my dad, like my sister's dad, her new husband, was the one that picked me up from the bus, like the school. Yeah. And it was like five o'clock at night and it wasn't my mom that came and got me and I was terrified the entire ride home that I was gonna go home and my mom was gonna be dead. And like I said to him, like, is mom alive? In the car and he was like, what? Of course your mom's alive. Like, like, and anyway, we got home and she had just gone to the dentist. So she was sleeping because she was under anesthesia. Right. And so like, but that was like my constant fear was that huh. either he killed her or my mom was gonna die like in a car accident or something and I was gonna be left to him. And oh, like I didn't, those were like the two biggest fears I had. I had that fear a lot as a kid. Yeah, mm -hmm. in my whole life. Yeah, the, I had a huge fear growing up that if something happened to my mom, I was like, no matter what, if my mom dies, my life is over. Yeah. Because I can, I, I cannot live I can't with, live this, with this, this man. Because he wasn't, he did not make the home safe. Like my home yeah. was not a safe place. Yeah. And because of him, like yeah. the only thing that made anything safe was my mom. My mom was the safe yeah. place. Yeah. And I think that's where my separation anxiety started, right? Mm -hmm. Was as long as I was with my mom, mm -hmm. I was safe. But like anywhere it's, where she wasn't, it wasn't associated with the it's home. So funny, cause like I still to this day, like literally how you can like on your phone have like find my friends. Yeah. The only person I have on that is my mom. Yeah. Like I literally like I'm like I'll check my phone just to be like, oh where is she? Like, I still have that. Like, I'm like, I'm so codependent with my mom and my brother. Because I'm like, oh, that's it. Those are my two people. If they, mm -hmm. something happens to them, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> like, yeah. oh. but yeah, I had that same fear. Like, that fear of, not that I always, because my mom wasn't living with my yeah. dad. Yeah. Um, or another partner that was abusive. So, I didn't have that fear that, like, something was going to happen to her while I was away. But it would just be like, 
if she, every anytime she went on a, like my mom went on this yearly conference every like October uh, or sometime in the fall and every time she got on a plane I had a fear that like that plane was going down I would always have a dream that the plane was gonna crash and I was just like this constant fear of if my mom dies like I I have nowhere yeah. like I don't know what I would have like and I like talked to my mom since then and she was like oh that was a fear for me too like yeah. I didn't know I, I would talk to my mom ongoingly when I was younger. Yeah. Like, I'd be, if you die, where do I go? Yeah, we what had that. Yeah, we really? had the, Yeah, oh, yeah, we yeah. had those conversations, too. And I too. said, like, you better write it down somewhere that yeah. Jim isn't taking us. Like, uh, you better write it down that, like, we're going to our godparents, which was my uncle and aunt, or, like, we're going to my nanny, because, like, there is no way in any way yeah. <laughs> that we are going and did you did you exp- explain why you had this level of anxiety? I didn't have to. Like she knew exactly why. Mm-hmm. Like she knew. Like it. It was. There were so many like problems within the mm-hmm. like marriage that like she knew that. Like she knew that I didn't like him. She knew that I was scared. They of were him. married. They were married. Yeah, mm-hmm. for like ten years. And like there was one point where he like bought this sword. And, like, it was just, like, a decoration sword or whatever. And then he got, like, mad. And she ran into my room with the sword. And, like, I had a waterbed, so you couldn't get to the other side of my bed because it was, like, near the window. So there was, like, a little opening that was, like, I don't know, like, maybe two inches by two inches. And she was, like, hide, like, hide this there. And so, like, I had to hide the sword from this man that was, like, you know, going up and down the driveway screaming and, like saying all these things we later found out that he had a serotonin imbalance in his brain and and that was that caused a lot of his own depression and anxiety and like anger and things like that but yeah like there were things like so like she knew what was happening and why i was Mm -hmm. scared and like was the reason that we ended up leaving yeah i had a conversation with my mom too about if she passed but it was always like i was old enough because i'm the older i'm the oldest sibling Mm -hmm. i was old enough to to be responsible mm. for my younger sibling mm-hmm. and that was my main concern that I would have to take care of them not that I would have to take care of them but that they would be put in my custody because right. I did not want them going anywhere else yeah so how old, how old were you when you were having this conversation and realization I, I don't remember I think I was around 16 yeah. and then I was like okay we have a few years I'm like as long as she holds on I would have automatic custody and yeah. I was like do I work like do I how do yeah. I figure this out like yeah I had that exact yeah. same thing like it was literally like get to 18 uh-huh. like be the one that like and I mean not that like I'm like oh my mom can die now that's why no I'm still not <laughs> <Yeah>. longer <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but yeah but yeah that was when yeah that's when that anxiety went away of like where am I gonna live I mean there's still anxiety just because I'm like yeah I'm super codependent with my family but like there that anxiety of who's going to take care of us went away when I was around 18 because it was like okay it'll be me yeah and like, how am I going to ship her body like where's her body going like I, I literally like I'm thinking back yeah. I had it all like planned out who was going to Jamaica to stay with her family yeah. there yeah. who was going to work where was I going to live like I was like wow. go, go, go. 16 wow. I believe it was like around that age wow. I'm not sure like I haven't had those thoughts yeah, yeah in such a long time yeah, but same. if I have them now like I, I know I'm old enough so I think the fear of having to have that plan is gone. Yeah. 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 Right. Same. Same. So how many how many siblings? Let's start with you, Shania. How many siblings do you have? And, and I, I have one, and she's six years younger than me. But her the like, um, 
Jim was her dad. So, like, I knew almost that he he would totally have a say over her. And mm-hmm. she was so much younger, right? So she was six years younger. So when they actually did separate, yeah. she was so close to, like, the age of whatever, but she still had no say. Yeah. And so, like, it was all me with, like, the child lawyer trying to advocate for my sister and trying to tell this child lawyer all the things that, you know, probably went up to, like, him. He shouldn't have access to right. to her, right? Because, like, I was old enough. So, like, I could automatically say I have no interest in seeing him. Right. And then he did get access. We were told by the judge that even serial killers should have access to their kids. That, that's a Whoa. quote. That's mm-hmm. a quote from the judge in the courtroom. <laughs> and so, me. so they gave access to my dad. Um, and... So I went to the access visits, even though I didn't have to. I was yeah. much older, just to, to take protect. care of yeah. my sister. Oh yeah, that was a so huge like, theme. Yeah, so that's that was the only reason I went was I needed to be there for my little sister. Yeah. And I needed to protect her, and I needed to make sure that he wasn't doing anything to her. And I, I want to I want to come back to the the relationship that the younger ones had with their yeah. parents, oh, but yeah. I just want to go around and and care. What about you? I have to just count. I have four siblings on my mom's side. Four siblings. But because, like, I live with my mom and because those are the only siblings I really see, Mm -hmm. those are the ones that I count. Not that the other ones are relevant, but. Right. Yeah. I get it. They're immediate. I get it. So, So, in terms of looking out after them and looking out for them, you felt a sense of responsibility for their. their well being? Well, as the oldest sibling, like, I always felt that, and I was, like, I cared for them, and I just recently learned to detach from that and say, like, I can't carry mm-hmm. everyone while I'm still figuring out myself. How old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 25 in November. Woo-woo! We're celebrating. <laughs> We're celebrating. We're celebrating. We're celebrating. Definitely a celebration. So, and then my sister, after me, she's 21 right now, so we were kind of close in age when everything was going on. She, my sister, I don't know if this is because of the violence, but she's always been detached. And so when everything was happening, I would talk to her, she would would just shrug it off. That was her way of coping. And say, like, that's not me, or whenever I would go to her, she would listen, but then it would automatically go over her head because she could not, I think at the time she could not or did not want to engage and that's her personality now like she will always shrug something off so I think up to that point my younger sister she was kind of raised in Jamaica so we really weren't worried about her Mm. and then my brothers my brother his father his father takes care of him so I was okay with his him going with his father and then my baby sister she's fine so it's like it's mainly me and my other sister that kind of went through it, but I never saw her as, like, someone who was in it with me, because she never allowed herself to engage. And she was younger than I was, granted, so there wasn't, and she was very quiet, and she was very passive, so she was very submissive. Interesting. Very submissive. She, I think she took on not wanting to be a burden as well. So she went along with whatever. She never complained. I can't remember her complaining. It was always, like, I was one that was like, Voicing. you're doing this to us. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you need to stop. And then it would always come up, which I was fine with. Like, was, as long as the anger was turned towards me, I felt like I was protecting her. Mm-hmm. And she was, she she would be there to be like, are you okay? Yeah. yeah. So that was always fine. Yeah. Yeah. I did that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I made the anger go to me. Same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. So what about you, Amanda? So, yeah, I have one younger brother. Um, he is around like four or five years younger than me, um, like five years younger than me. And so he doesn't remember my parents ever being together. Like he has no memory of them as a couple, as a couple, like to him, they've always been separate, but they've always like side by side parented. Um, but I definitely had those feelings of like, oh, I need to protect Andrew probably to a fault. I think it caused a lot of problems for Andrew and I. Um, cause Andrew didn't want another mother, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I very much so like my, um, when my parents separated, um, for a while, I didn't know that he was aggressive or violent at all. Um, it wasn't your dad. My, yes. Sorry. Um, it wasn't until. There was some things that he did with my mom that I, like, eventually saw. And then slowly he started getting quite aggressive with me, like, verbally. Um, And so I definitely had those moments, too, of, like, oh, I need to protect Andrew. And so my mom had sole custody of us from the start, so we didn't have to, like, we didn't have mandated visits but we we went every other weekend like that was what we had just like kind of agreed upon um but there was definitely times where I didn't want to go but I'd be like no I have to go for Andrew like I have to be there to uh, like and anytime Andrew's very similar to what you were saying about your sister like not that he like is like oh whatever but just like he gets very quiet like he'll internalize a lot that's his way of coping um, it's not mine. Yeah. I get louder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm upset right now. <laughs> That's exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. And so I definitely remember feeling like this huge sense of like having to protect my brother, mm-hmm. and like would absolutely be like, okay, like put the anger on me. Like, I'll have the fight. I'll get in the screaming match. Like, I'll do this as long as it's not on Andrew. Yeah. Like, and, like, not that it would always, like, sometimes it would just be at me just because it was me. Yeah. But, like, yeah, if there was a moment where, like, I, like, felt the need to step in for Andrew, I always would. And then, yeah, I definitely got, like, I was going through a lot. (laughs) And so I think, like, my teenage years, I was very, very angry. Like, I was a very, very angry teenager and I think it like that sense of like having to protect Andrew turned into like this like I was like the overbearing parent on Andrew Mm -hmm. like I was like wanting to control Andrew Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I moved away that like then Andrew and I's relationship could start to be repaired because like he needed that space I needed that space like I think I needed to be figure out who I was as a person and Andrew just needed to be like back off um but yeah, like it took a it it yeah it took a lot, and it was also like, um, kind of what you were saying about your younger like both of you with younger siblings like. I don't think Andrew. Still to this day, I don't think Andrew knows the full extent, but I don't think Andrew had that same awareness that I did. 
um, especially not when he was little, but even to now, I don't think it was something that Andrew ever fully grasped or had to experience. Like, he definitely saw my dad being aggressive and violent with us, but I don't think it ever got that, like, I don't think it crossed that boundary for him in his mm. mind. And so I think there was also a lot of resentment for that on my part towards Andrew. Like, I was like, that's nice that he's the nice dad with you. Mm. So, yeah, there was a, like, there's a... It's interesting because, like, I think if, like, if he were here, his experience of being, like, a kid as a survivor would be so different. Yeah. Um, even though it's the same two parents. Like, I think his experience would be so dramatically different than mine. And I don't know if he would, like, have that same, like, feeling of, like, being a survivor through it as well. I don't think he would feel that. I think mm. he would just be like, oh, yeah, like, that's dad. Like... Like, so yeah, it's interesting. Have, have you have you guys talked to your siblings about sort of have you shared your experiences of growing up with any of your siblings and tried to elicit what theirs was because you're talking. I think I I don't think explicitly like hey Andrew like let's sit down and talk about this but I think he's known because he's seen how I'm still dealing with it and there'll definitely be times even recently like my dad and I got in like a fight and it, like it like it took my mom being like Andrew no like he like he's being like he's being aggressive he's being abusive like you like and so I think Andrew has like seen it um and there are, like, huge moments where, like, I'm so angry with my dad that I'll, and, like, Andrew will kind of, kind of defend him. And, not like, not when my dad's being, like, aggressive or anything like that, but just when he's being a crappy dad. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, oh, like, come on. And Andrew will kind of step in and defend him and be like, oh, like, it's him. Like, you didn't, like, you didn't do this or you didn't do that. And I'm like, no, like, he's my dad. He should have responded differently. Yeah. And, though, like, there's definitely in those moments where I want to be like, Andrew, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I I don't ever want to, like, explicitly try to tarnish the relationship that he has with my dad because of the relationship I have with my dad. That's not, like, my spot to do that. Um, like their relationship is their relationship that's their own thing to figure out I think there's been moments definitely where I've like turned to Andrew for support which I think is like I've had to but I don't I've there's definitely been moments where I've wanted to like shake him and be like why aren't you understanding why I'm so upset but it's just not something that I want to make him have to take sides on like it's like he gets he can have that like that's his own but I think that like that's like my mom did the same thing for him and I like for Andrew and I as well so I think that very much is by example I don't know if I would have done that had she not but yeah I think yeah well I don't think my sibling I don't think my sister remembers what happened I think I tried to talk to her once and she's just like I don't know and I think usually when everything's happening I'm the I'm the one to go out and see, try to see what's happening and try to, if I need to intervene at that young age, I would jump in and intervene. And she was the one to always close the door and just not, mm-hmm. not engage. And if anything, she'd be like, Kara, just leave it. Kara, mm-hmm. come. Kara, it's okay. And so I think for her, the relationship is more with my mother and how they've, they've now interacted. 
Like, I've had that relationship. I think everything is with our mother. I don't think we've ever been able to detach what happened in our childhood away from her. We've just attributed it to her. Mm-hmm. And so now mm-hmm. she holds it. And so I don't know if my sister has done that work to kind of... I could try to speak to her about it. She's just not going to remember. She was pretty young. She was mm-hmm. like seven, right? eight. Yeah. She was pretty young. And I don't think she engaged mentally to try to say like, this shouldn't be happening. It was because she was there witnessing my mom going back. And so for her, I think it was just like, it's going to happen again. Why even say mm-hmm. anything? And I think she said that to me once, Kara, just leave it. Mm-hmm. Kara, it's going to happen right. again. Kara. And so I think it's more with the relationship with her mom versus the abusers. Yeah. Yeah, because we don't have a relationship with them. It's what they left behind right. that we had to clean up and we had to endure. And then what they put what she's put on us and or what we had told for her and what we've never discussed mm-hmm. and so for her it's always been happening to her she always thought she, like she protected us protected it from us but she didn't understand that we had to hold her as well yeah. and so my sister has never done that work she opts out of that work and i will always say i'm here I've always opted in and because I've always opted in my sister has never had to yeah. and she's actively yeah. not like my, my mom will come and she will just she'll be a blank space like she says I will engage her my sister will not right mm. and so now they've had they have work that they need to deal through and they're fine I think we're fine it's just it's interesting to you it's like it's you yeah. both got through it but in very different ways very right? different like ways. like she was just trying to cope too probably but like i had to take the brunt of it oh like yeah i actively oh, yeah. stood there to make sure everything was okay she would go back and i would go back and say do you know what's happening do you not care no it's okay yeah it's okay come with me yeah she's she would always be like come with me like you don't have to don't do it right you know what right. i'm saying like care just leave it care so yeah she's she's I think she's opted out and because and I think that's her personality as well like I will take up putting my siblings actions on my on my chest like they're not doing well in school I'm like oh my gosh mm. why are you why are you hiding in the bathroom mm-hmm. why is this why are you shaving your eyebrows like my brother yeah. shaved his eyebrows <laughs> yeah. and so she would be like Kara and because she knows I will engage I think she's disengaged and I've been like I've engaged with you it's now you're trying to engage with them. Yeah. And she, it takes reminding. Yeah. But I feel like that's her way of going through it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. My sister is very similar to both of your younger siblings. Like, the way that she gets through things is by closing her bedroom door and, like, figuring it out on her own. Where I can't do that. <laughs> like, I need to talk her in and out and talk to people and, like, communicate and... La- I'm loud. Like, yeah. I'm so Same. loud. And we know that from the yell. podcast. The three of us are the ones that we always have trouble with the mics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. yeah. But I always had to, I always had to fight for her. And so yeah. I think she, because she was so young, she did not actually, she didn't feel it the way yeah. that I felt it. Yeah. yeah. She didn't like see it the way I saw it. Yeah. And so all she saw was her dad and her mom. And so, like, when I was younger, I used to ask friends, 
wh- who do you like better, your mom or your dad? And the, the answers that people would give me would be like, what do you mean? Like, they're both my parents. Yeah, whereas that's, like, a very logical <laughs> question. Like, my mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so, like, see? And so, like, but my sister never had, like, my sister was like, what do you mean? I like dad. And so, like, when we were going through the custody battle, when we were going through all that, Rochelle was still very interested in seeing her dad. Mm. And so I think now, and, like, she still doesn't understand, like, the extent of the abuse and, like, the extent... I mean, like, she has no, probably hardly any knowledge of, like, the abuse my mom went through with my biological dad. But, like, with her dad like it was emotional and I think she was like much too young to really like recognize it and so um it just she never and so even now like her and Jim have somewhat of a relationship he lives like in another province and so I mean they don't see each other very often but like if he comes he'll stay with her if he comes they will talk like the his parents will send her money. Like, there's things that they have that I don't have because I was the loud child and I was the one that was like, you're shitty, like, get out. Or you're not paying support. And mom is like a single mom trying to raise us both, put us through university and all of these things. And so I had a ton of loyalty to my mom and I don't think my sister did when it came to my dad. And so I think now my mom has like this she has like this loyalty she has issues with loyalty oh interesting where if you don't take her side mm. it's betrayal yeah it's betrayal it's absolutely it's betrayal and I think I think that may have started with my uh, sister when she was like six or seven choosing right. that she wanted to see both my mom and dad right. they because have a good relationship now who your, your mom, mom and your sister yeah like it's fine like it's fine because like I don't think it wasn't my like sister it. is is the way that your siblings are. My sister's not going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So like even if my mom wanted to talk about it, she won't. she'd be like, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in having a conversation. Conversation where I would be like, okay, let's We're talk about, about it. it. Yeah. 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 So like, e- even if my mom had an issue, mm-hmm. my sister doesn't deal with things that way. So right. my sister would just, and now she obviously doesn't live with my mom, and yeah, they don't have to talk about it. Yeah. Do you, do you do you guys think that you're all social workers? Uh, Are you asking us to social work ourselves? I'm asking you to social work social workers. But do you think that your your education, your training in this field of social work has influenced your analysis or the way that you're analyzing? 100%. Yeah. And like... Yeah, incredibly so. I think that it, it... it's interesting because I always want to talk about everything as well. Yeah. And that my brother doesn't, at least not with me. I think, but I, like I think the thing is, I think Andrew actually would still say that my mom is his favorite because I think he like my mom was the one that raised us, so I think he does have that loyalty to her. But when you were saying like like Andrew still has a relationship with my dad in a way that I don't because of I think that's where the difference lies for me, and so I think that. I think social work has really opened my eyes to like how these are like pattern behaviors, how everything is so influenced by like what we're doing and it makes me able to like kind of take a step back from 
like myself and kind of look at my family and be like, how does this all work together? Like how do the pieces of our family work together? I think on top of that, like I, within the last, like when I started school, pretty much within my first year, I also started just like regularly going to therapy for the first time in my life. Um, I'd been to therapists before, but never regularly. It was like a drop in when things were like at a bad point. Whereas I actively was like going and doing every week or every other week. And I think that has been incredibly helpful more so than school. I think school opened me up to like looking at how it all kind of pieces it together and it helps me understand it kind of broadly speaking. Whereas I think therapy is like, we're looking at this from you. And I think that that's something that I would go into therapy and be like, I understand Andrew's perspective. I understand my dad's perspective. Like my dad had this history. My mom had this history. I understand how everyone was reacting. And I just was like, and it took my therapist being like, that's great that you understand how everybody else is. Like, it's great that you've made peace with how everybody else is reacting, but you need to make peace with how you are reacting because I still can't get there on my own. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, not that I can't, but like it's it's taken work. Mm. And so I think that when I look at my mom, my dad, my brother, like the, the four of us in this kind of relationship as a family, even when like my mom or my brother who are like my safe spaces made decisions or did things that like hurt me at the time or even still hurt me, I can really understand those motives like I can really work myself back through them and like even when there are like like decisions that like I don't think were great like I can still like understand them thoroughly whereas I'll look back on stuff that I did like as a teenager that like in this like really aggressive angry space and I cannot forgive myself for that Mm. and I think that it took more than just social work. I think it took like individual therapy mm-hmm. um, to like really unpack. Yeah. 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 And I think that like, it's easy to do it for other people. It's so hard to do it on yourself. Um, not because it's like hard to, like, I can understand where it's all coming from, but it's so hard to forgive yourself. It's really easy for me to forgive my mom, forgive Andrew, mm. even forgive my dad. Like that, like even comes easier. Whereas like, to forgive myself for things that like I did or said because I was like at such a low moment like I'm still really really working on that like really working on that yeah yeah um for me I think my relationship changed with my mom when I started my program mm-hmm. um for many reasons but I think the program made me realize that we had an abusive relationship because that's at that point it was it was getting like very mentally abusive and to the point where I almost dropped out of university mm. and wow. so like we had like a very hard strain and I'm not sure if social work helped me deal with that because at the same time yeah we're learning all these things mm. but you have papers to write you have mm-hmm. classes to attend people's drama people's mix-up I think I disassociated and that's why I'm always grateful for my previous partner because he helped me get through that and so we've developed, and I think the relationships I've had outside of my relationship with my mother is the only mm. thing that kept me kept sane for me to be able to work through it because I could always speak to someone about it because it really, even right now, like me and my mom's relationship, we're at a great place, but it took us a very long time to get there. Mm. 
And so because it's hard for her to parent and be my friend at the same time, and because I've already stepped into this role where I have to parent, I had to parent my siblings for a very long time, because she she said it all, she says it all the time, like she never had the mother, she ne her mother was never there for her, mm -hmm. not of a fault of her own, but because she couldn't provide what she believes that she's providing for us. And so, I'm not blaming anyone, but it takes a while for us to get to a place where we're both able to speak. And because she's my mother, it takes, like for me, I blame myself all the time. I speak to my mother as if she's my friend. And to have that, people, she'd be like, Carrie, you don't speak to me like you're, like I'm your mother, you speak to, da, 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 da. But, but like, you can't expect me to parent you because right. I've had to parent her right. through my whole existence. I've had to be the parent. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't have a role switch when you feel like you want to have control. Mm. And I'm not saying that's her fault. I'm not I'm not owning up to that. I'm saying it's complicated at this point because to me that relationship cannot can't switch. You can't speak to me as if you're my mother. You gotta come at me like we're friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm comfortable with that. And then sometimes I'm like, but she's my mother. But at some point, like, this is a way of protecting myself because when you're coming at me saying these hurtful things, at some point I have to not, at some point I have to have an escape route to disassociate because we will go at it. And it's like, I can't, I shouldn't be speaking to my mother like that, but because of our relationship, I can't revert. Yeah. yeah. I can't I cannot revert. And I feel bad for it. And she understands it now where she we put up boundaries. Like yeah. I will snap and I'm like, what? that's my mother. Yeah. But then I can't I can't unsnap. Yeah. yeah. Because I would snap again. Yeah. And that relationship is strained. Like she like I will but the thing is, she's my comfort. Like, if I'm sad, I can't get over something until I've spoken to her about oh, it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that relationship is there, but the whole control, mm -hmm. or I have to listen to you, or this is the direction I want you to go in because is it no, I can't, I can't do that anymore. Huh. And so if I say one thing with my siblings, that's the way it usually goes. And so I'm still kind of in the parenting role. And she wants that, she accepts mm -hmm. that, because she we're like co-parenting right. my siblings and her ch children. Yeah. And so, but I, I want to be that support because I would never live with myself if they've done things where I could have been there for them mm -hmm. because she's not able to, because she's never had that. Yeah. And so I can't hold that against her. Yeah. But in some ways, for like, there's no reverting. There's no mm -hmm. going back. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think that, like, my experience, like, within social work, as well as, like, the program, and, like, my work afterwards mm -hmm. has definitely 100%, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, helped with my understanding of, like, structurally what yeah. violence against women looks like, and who the responsibility is actually on, mm -hmm. but also understanding that people are complex. And that those people in those relationships 
they weren't just my mom and like you know my sister's dad yeah but they were like a husband and wife to each other they yeah. were like all of these other things and so I think it created like like a more informed lens I guess to like see it through um I also like completely understood my uh like my issues with attachment like with oh, her yeah. because like I was so attached and like understanding what attachment looks like and how like the first few years of your life is like where that all comes mm -hmm. from like for almost the rest of your life like yeah. I totally understand and like attachment is still something that I go through and it's no longer with my mom like it's now with my partner but I mean like I've gotten like 8,000 hundred times better at this point because of social work and like understanding yeah. myself and like where I'm coming from and like the other people around me um and yeah, just like really understanding accountability and who oh yeah. Who needs to take accountability for what? And like even what I am accountable to within like everything that was going on. So yeah, 100%. It's definitely helped. I'm really cuz as you you three are talking, I can't help but think about my own three children mm -hmm. and their experiences and the way ironically you're all first born yeah yeah and how similar <laughs> you are to my first born mm. like very independent very you know um yeah and, and it's it's also opening my eyes to some of the re realities that I think my kids went through, and I, I, I think that they talk to me about everything. Right. But I, I'm, I'm as a mother now, um, feeling this sense of. It's 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 like a, a weight of the world, okay. on my shoulders as the, the recipient of the violence, and knowing that I have I have children are I'm responsible yeah. for and I'm interested in what you you would say to mothers right to say to your mother um, not yeah. not to absolve right not not to yeah but just if if you have I don't know what I'm asking if I you have, if you, <laughs> no if there is a way if there is if there's a message you can deliver to your mum yeah it's interesting it's something that I, yeah, again, I'm like literally just, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to talk through my therapy sessions. But like, <laughs> it was something that I wasn't expecting to like uncover in therapy was that I had a lot of like issues to deal with with my mom. Like, I'm like, I've got daddy issues written all over me like that. I'm I like literally walked in and was like, I have issues with my dad and I need to work on them. And I was not expecting to like, be like, okay, yeah, that's good, but like, what's happening with your mom? And like, I just was not anticipating that. And I think that I, like, and obviously this is just my experience with my mom and like what we went through together. I have more respect for my mom than anybody on the planet. Like, I think my mom is the like smartest strongest woman I know like I like she could do anything if she like put her mind to it she could do, literally do anything um 
but I think something that like was like uncovered for me within the past year or two was that even though like I think my mom literally like I'm like what she was going through like she was going through separating my dad having like and having it be like a violent situation having two young kids she was doing her like undergrad degree online at the time she was commuting to three different like we lived in one town commuted to one another town to drop us off at daycare to commute to another town to go to her work like she was I don't know how she got through that time period and so it was so hard for me to say that like there was still pain there because I was like but she did so much Mm -hmm. like she like she like she brought us both through that on her own like how could I speak bad about her but I like yeah within the past year or two was like uncovering that like there was still a lot of pain there and something that my therapist said to me I think I shared this here once before with just everybody on the team but something that my therapist said to me once was like okay like I'm gonna hold the love for your mom in the room so that you can feel the pain Mm -hmm. because she's like I know you love your mom I know you love her more than anything so like I have to I'm gonna hold the love for her so that you can feel the pain that was there and I love that yeah I I, and it was just like this moment of like oh yeah like there's pain there just because it was like I was going through so much at the same time that she was Mm -hmm. and I think and I was like an angry kid and I think that like there was definitely times where it was too much for her to handle and like that's not her fault she was supposed to have another person there like that's my dad's fault but like she was on her own and she was trying like her best I know she was but like there's still pain there um and so that's been hard to work through. It's like this idea that this person that like does so much and like, yeah, I just like put her on such a pedestal. But this person that did so much for me could still like not show up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like that's hard. Mm-hmm. And um, like that's something that like I'm definitely still working through. And I think that like, yeah, like if I could say it to her, it would be like, I like I don't care like I think she's so freaking brilliant like my god um but yeah that like that I love her no matter what and like that's like I think that she she was what got us through like she like she like made us all live like she saved all of us like yeah Yeah. (laughs) sorry no I think that that is the most kind and compassionate honest and vulnerable <laughs> that was and I, I really hope your mum will, will hear this because that's what I want as I'm telling you I, I, well, we love you anyway so <laughs> I can go next um I I think what I would tell my mom is I think I would tell my mom thank you. Yeah. Um for like now I'm gonna cry. But for like <laughs> all the things all the things that you just said, like at the end, um that was exactly like I'm here talking today because 
my mom got us out of those situations. Yeah. Um, I'm here, like, probably doing this work. Yeah. Because these are the situations that happened to me, and I was shown the most, like, kind survival, like, way of getting through things by my mom. So I think... I think I would I would say thank you. Yeah. And I think I would also stay quiet and listen. Because I think my mom has so much life and so many lessons that she got through those experiences that like whenever I've talked to my mom about certain things that have happened and like I literally just found out a couple months ago something new about my biological dad and how he was sexually violent to her and that's where the violence started mm-hmm. and I only knew that because I went to a conference and then came home told her about the conference and told her whatever and then she thank goodness felt safe enough to then open up and like talk about you know the violence that she endured and so, like, I think I would listen. I think I would start with saying thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, like, saving my life. And thank you for, mm-hmm. you know, making sure I survived. Mm-hmm. And then I would listen to, like, everything else that she had to share. But, yeah, I think that's me. Are you ready now, Karen? <laughs> <laughs> I still don't think I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um... My mom has been through, like, a lot. Like, a lot growing up. And I think that's why I, like, like, no matter what we go through, like, I will always love her. Because I know the place that she's coming from and to get where she is. Only someone so strong could get there. Yeah. And she's done the best that she could for us. I I would never, ever dismiss her in any way so like that's uh, like I am who I am despite everything else because she's always always been there for me like she will always be there for me and even when we argue and when we fight like I'm not okay until like I speak to her yeah yeah, that was a hard question. So, uh, <laughs> those are really hard questions. Those are really hard questions. Yeah. Wait, well, I'm going to flip it now. So, what, what would you say to your dads? Oh, God. I don't like my dad right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you tell him. I don't like I him. don't care. <laughs> Do better. Oh, it's just disgusting. I would, yeah. 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 I wasn't there for the violence he did against my mom, and... Now seeing what he's doing to me, and the fact that I told her, she's like, Karen, I told you all of this before, this is mm. And then it became about her, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't get how you could, a man could produce children and not, well, well I get it, but I don't understand. <laughs> You understand the logistics of it. (laughs) (laughs) But to be, just because you produced a child doesn't mean you're a father or a dad. It just means that you're a sperm donor. And so my relationship with my dad, he was there. I didn't really care. Like, I cared about him, but I never, 
like if it was him or my mom, my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Always my mom. Like, I'm, I'm rock solid for my Yeah, dad. like, Always. it's not even a question. Not like, I think question. that's so... I'm like, even still, my dad will sometimes, like, tell us something and be like, oh, don't tell your mom. And I'm like, who? I'm calling... Uh, she's on the other line. <laughs> like, she's on speak... Like, she, you're on speakerphone. She can already hear like, you. The other way like, around. what are you like, talking about? Like, this... Yeah. We all know everything. Yeah. Like, we have no loyalty. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. 100%. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. This is adorable. Yeah. I, I don't... Right now, like, if you had asked me, like, four weeks ago, <laughs> it would have been a happier thing. But he just did something disgusting, and I probably will send him this podcast. Because... <laughs> <laughs> What's that? We're not friends. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I don't know what I, like, I actually have no idea. I, my biological dad, after my mom left him, he, um was a substance user, and still is. And um, and so after my mom left him, he started a relationship with another woman, they had another child, and I met that child way later on in life when I was getting adopted by my sister's dad at a courthouse. And um, anyway, that child is on my Facebook because they found me when I was like 18 on Facebook, blah, blah, blah. And that child seems to have an incredible relationship with my biological dad. Wow. And so she'll post things, all, they'll post things all the time about how he's magnificent, how he's the best dad ever, and all of these things. Wow. And it's interesting because I, don't even know who that man is. Wow. Like, I've told my mom this, and, like, I have no reaction. Like, and and she's asked me, like, a couple times, like, oh, does that, you know, mm-hmm. does that hurt you? Does that whatever? No. And not in the slightest. I have no, I think it's surprising. Mm-hmm. I think it's unbelievable that a man could make that kind of transformation in a couple of years while still being a substance user, which, I mean, all power to him if he's able to, you know, balance both those two lifestyles at once Mm. um but i know that him and his uh next wife also separated because of his substance use and things like that and so i i would be very interested to hear why um their child has such a good relationship with him but like i i i have no interest or desire to have that relationship with him right. I if you ask me what I wanted to say the answer is nothing like I have nothing to say to him he you haven't been there to listen for right, 31 years. years so like at this point what what can I tell you now that would show you the impact that you had on my mom mm-hmm. but also like my relationship with you know, my worthiness with men and like the way that I feel around, you know, my value mm-hmm. and how I'm valued and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And like, like I know, like Amanda just said, daddy issues. And I know there's this amazing artist who, Mar- Mary Andrew, that drew like a dad and then a girl and then set, like labeled it daddy issues and then pointed at the dad to say, the one with the issues, and then pointed mm-hmm. to the girl to say the one labeled with the issues. Mm-hmm. And that's how I see it now, is 
Well, the, he's no. the one with the issues. I, I have nothing to say to him. I have nothing wow. at this point to say. My sister's dad, we're still like, I don't know, we maybe talk like twice a year. Mm. I, at this point, there's not much to say to him either. Yeah, I don't... But. Yeah, I don't know what I would say to my dad. I don't... I have no... I don't... It's difficult because, like, he's still in my life. Like, he's still my dad, and I think that... Um... Yeah, that's a tough question for me. I think that, um, there are moments where I just, like, want to shake him and be like, just, why can't you be a better dad? Like, why can't you step up? Like, I get it. You weren't a good husband, weren't meant to do that. Mm -hmm. You tried it twice, didn't work. But, like, why can't you be a better dad for me? Like, why? Yeah. And um, I think that there's a lot to say about, like, his history with my mom, his history with me. But I don't think he's ready to hear a lot of that. Like, I don't think it would make not make a difference but I just don't think he like he 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 was there like I don't think that like me saying anything about it is gonna make him be like oh you were right like that's like he already lost his like family he already lost like a lot like if that's not gonna make you clue in like I like there's nothing that I could say that would be like those things you did not so nice (laughs) um but I think like what's like hard for me now is that there's still times where I just like I'm like oh just show up. Like, just show up. Like, it's so bare minimum what I'm asking of you. I just want you to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, luckily, my partner has, like, an amazing dad and an amazing stepdad. And so I've had, like, these new relationships with both of them. And I, like, it, it's so incredible the way that they are as dads that it like gives me like such a respect because I honestly like I growing up like I didn't trust dads even like dads of parent like kid like friends of mine that were like had good dads I did not trust them or I I worked at a like a kid's hair place when I was a kid and they would do birthday parties for little girls and anytime a dad would stick around I actually found it creepy Mm -hmm. like I was like why is the dad here like dads aren't supposed to be here like I didn't I don't trust them I feel like I did not trust them until Mm -hmm. I started dating Zach and his dad was great it was like oh I still haven't had that experience (laughs) yeah like I actually don't have any not like I don't know yeah. What a good relationship with a dad, with the dad is. is. Yeah. I don't. I like. I don't. I have. I don't have a clue. A blueprint for it. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. That's. I. Yeah. I only like literally since dating Zach within the last I guess like seven years, and so like, I think in some ways like I'm so, I'm in, lots of ways I'm so grateful to have those relationships, because they're so kind and generous and loving it it has given me a perspective but like with that has come this moment of like well now I know (laughs) (laughs) how good it can be Uh, 
And so I'm just like, seriously? Like, so they're missing out on yeah. yeah. Which, like, I'm like, at least I get that now. Right. But, yeah, there'll just be moments where, like, like Zach's dad literally, like, pulled me aside once and just was like, like, I just want to, like, tell you, how, like, how proud I am of you. Like, you're so smart. Like, you worked so hard in school. Like, you should be so proud of the work you've done. Or, like, every time I see him, he's like, oh, hello, hello beautiful. And I'm like, you You mean me? Me? Like, I'm like, because my dad would not compliment me. Yeah. The last time I saw him, like, or not the last time, but one of the, the last time my dad commented on my appearance, he said, wow, you're not getting any smaller. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Jeez. And so it's just like, I, like, I did not grow up with that. And yeah. so, yeah, it's so difficult. It's Sorry, I'm rambling, but it's just you're such a difficult question because I'm just like, I, I don't know. I think I, I just, uh, we talked before we started recording this, like, this idea that, like, they're always like your dad like you can't like separate that like like I mean you can obviously but like it's just this in the back of your mind you're like well they're my parent like I gotta keep trying and I think that like it's hard as a kid to keep like you said care like you're just like you keep having to be the parent or you keep being disappointed or like and it's just like ugh, I'm tired of it it's been long enough yeah yeah for me, I've only seen my dad like five times. I'm counting now because he was in England and then he was in Jamaica when five, I Five, literally five times in, in your life? Probably give or take. Give in, or take. in your life? In my life. Wow. That I couldn't remember because they broke up when I was like pretty young and then he went to England and when he came back to Jamaica, I was already in Canada and now he's in New Jersey. And so I've always had that relationship where I loved him and every time I've seen him, He's like taking off my shoes. He's like, Kara, like we speak, but that connection wasn't there. But like, I could give or take my dad, right? Because as long as I have my mother, right. I'm okay. Yeah. And so my dad was like an option. Like I know he's there right now. I don't really. I want right. to block him, but then I don't want to know that he's blocked. Right. <laughs> so I just keep him open. But he's like archive. <laughs> so it's like I can give or take my dad. Like if me and my mom were in this state where I've never thought I would block my mom. I put I put on like do not disturb because she calls me like six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But like I've never had that yeah. thought. And like if we've always been a turmoil, it's always on the back of my mind. Yeah. And then we will speak, and then it's like nothing ever happened. Like we're good at moving past it but with him i don't have a desire it's like i don't need that connection yeah like that connection is not necessary yeah. for my existence right yeah he's like an option yeah i feel that yeah even my dad has a new girlfriend and i like her so much <laughs> i'm so like she'll talk and so when we see them like once or twice a year i'm like hot like i'm so excited to see her and then i'm like oh right you brought him like <laughs> It, it has nothing to do Your with him. Your sister's dad, right? My sister's dad. I've only seen my biological dad once in my life, oh. at, in, in a courthouse, and that's it. Since once. It's, I think it's, it's hard for me at times, like, with watching my dad's relationship with Andrew, too, because I'm like, oh, like, you have a different relationship there, and it's, it's better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think that's, like, a hard thing to watch, too, is that, like, He's still not a good dad to Andrew, I would say. I don't know what Andrew would say. But, like, I found out that, like, oh, yeah, my dad, like, calls Andrew once a week. Or they'll just, like, go to the movies together. I'm like, oh, well, that's nice. 
But that's like applauding mediocrity. Do you know what oh, I mean? Oh, I know. Like, I, I, don't, I don't mean like I don't mean to applaud it. I mean like yeah. oh you couldn't like I had you, could do, like, you, you couldn't could call yeah. me. Like so if you call Andrew once a week, you couldn't hang up the phone and then call your other child. Like to even crave it. To even yeah. crave like a mediocre. Like I'm like literally like you couldn't oh. like if you're already calling one of your kids. Yeah. Like you know oh, you had two. I was the first one. How you should remember me it? more. <laughs> how, how hard is it? Yeah, and it's just like and so it's like I'm not I really am not yeah, you're right, like it is craving this like kind of mediocre mm-hmm. parent, but it's just like to watch certain things happen, you're like, Oh, like interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool, like. I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm gonna file that away, and just know how that's working out. Say less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so were you were you? At what age would you say you were when you you started thinking about okay he's he's separated from my mum, but why isn't he? You know, connecting to me. Why I don't think isn't I, ever. Because they separated when I was like, my brother, three, two, two, three years old. And so my mom has always been like, your father's not good. So I've always heard that. Never wondered where he was. My mom has just always been that rock. So like, let's say he, like, I talked to him on the phone for two seconds. Like, that wasn't, like, I didn't really care whether or not. I was never like, oh, I need to speak to my dad. All the time I was like that is when I needed to cry about my mother. Hmm. And I'm like, why did you have me mm. with her? Dramatic moment. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, he was never, like, yeah, I don't, I've never questioned it. Have you ever questioned it? No, like, you're asking why he's, why we're still having that relationship with him? Or, or like, why doesn't he have a relationship with us? Why doesn't he have a relationship? So, so he divorced, I, di- I didn't divorce my kid, I divorced my, my parents. I no, I actually feel like, sorry. No, go ahead. I actually felt like I ended the relationship. You divorced him. Oh, okay. I, yeah. Like, I, I very much made it absolutely clear that I did not want to see him. Even during visits when I would go with my sister, mm. I would clearly state, I'm here to protect Rochelle. And I would sit there, and I would sit in the visit, mm. and I would hardly engage, and I would make sure Rochelle's safe. Mm. And then at the end, I'd be like, we're ready to go. Or if something harmful happened, I would be like, we're leaving. And I would take her, and I would leave. So, like, I I don't ever feel like he left me mm. and disengaged. Mm. I disengaged from him while he was still living in the house. Mm-hmm. I And, like, it was – my mom actually asked me, like, before she left. She She said – I'm thinking about, you know, like, because of all the situation and blah, 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 I'm thinking about leaving Jim. How do you feel about that? And I said, it's about time. And we were in the car. And, like, I said, yeah, absolutely, I'm ready. I was ready, like, two years ago. Yeah, so, like... We've been... We've been, we've been taking so long. That's yeah, right. exactly. So, like, I was ready. So, no, I, I never felt that way with him. And with, like, my biological dad, I think I was too young until it was, like, far too long. And then... There was a court order that he wasn't allowed to see me until I was 18. Right. So, like, I didn't even question it because there was court order. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you were 18, the only reason he contacted you was for your sister? No. So, when I was 18, he contacted me through Facebook, uh, my biological dad. And it was because him and his 
new wife were going through a divorce and he wanted me to talk to his new child about what it was like to be a, oh, a wow. child of divorce. <laughs> how interesting. Yeah, so. Maybe you should send him a new voice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Amanda, what, what were you saying? Um, when my parents first split, I was very close to my dad, actually. Like, I was very close to my dad as a kid. He was, like, the fun parent. I was really upset when we first split because I was like, well, he, he's great. Like, what are we, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Chicken. Are you ready to today? No, yeah. what's happening? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> which, in hindsight, it's like, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. And, like things that he would do which I thought at the time was like he was taking my side he was like very much manipulating Poor anyway but um so and I don't think it was ever that he actively was like not wanting to parent like we went over there every other weekend that was the deal I think it was that and I mean I was young so I really don't remember and like some of it, of it I've also like blocked. Yeah. Like actively, like I'm like I don't remember just years there, um, but I think it was when I he started to kind of be like aggressive with Andrew or I like is when I started to realize it. Like was then when there would just be times where I would come home, and like I said, like I my mom because when they split he hadn't given any indication that it would be towards Andrew and I like he was a good dad mm -hmm. and so my mom had always like parented and like never spoke poorly of him mm -hmm. so she never told us like that we're leaving because it was bad like she just was like we're just breaking up like so we didn't know and so mm -hmm. then when he started to get kind of like verbally abusive with me that was when I like clued in was like oh mm -hmm. um there was definitely like there was definitely moments too where like he was very violent with my mom like once they had split that I saw so I think that clued into me that he wasn't like nice to her mm -hmm. but I think it was like I still kind of was like but it's not with me at least like it's still like at least but then it was when it started to kind of but you put on me which was around the time that like you're like eight, nine, ten, and you start to like get your own opinion. Mm -hmm. Like you're just a kid. Like that's when you start to like form your own opinions on things. You don't like just answer the way that they're your parents are expect like telling you to. Um, and it would be over silly things. Like it would be like he would ask us to sweep and or me to sweep, and I'd be like, I don't want to sweep. Like, which like I don't know a kid that would be like, yeah, okay, mm -hmm. but like I didn't want to sweep, and he would lash out, and it would be like, oh, like what? And so that was when I started to, we kind of developed like backup plans for figuring out how I would get home early from a weekend. Um, around the time, like before I started getting my period, it very much was like any time it was close. It was like, my mom was like, oh, she think like, we think it's coming. Like, and you would be like, and you'd be like, okay, take her. <laughs> um, and so I think it was around, like, it was more so around when I started to have to not only like think about how he was this way with my mom but think about how he could also be that way with me or with Andrew um yeah 
And I don't think it was that I realized right away that like he didn't want to. I don't because I don't think he would say now like I don't. I didn't want to be a dad. I think he like in his mind he wanted to still is like I think I don't know if he could make that connection. Mm-hmm. But it like it very much became clear to me that it was like oh like this is not gonna work out that way um, when it started to like influence how he was with me. And then there would be times where we would get in these huge fights, like massive fights. And then we wouldn't talk for months. Like I just wouldn't go, we wouldn't talk. And it's like, I get that like we are both fighting, but one of the, with one of the people in the fight is like an 11 year old and one of them is an adult. There's probably someone there that should be making the first step. (laughs) And he wasn't like until like, and there's, there's, yeah, there's so much that he did that, like, very much influenced me now because I think that, like, I did still see my dad. Like, I think that was, that like, it, like from what you've said, like, I was still seeing him and was still trying to have that relationship with him. And, like, he was still in my life. Like, and he still is. Like, we still do, like, family things together be- and, like, with both of them. And so, yeah, it, it's interesting to kind of... Because I don't know if there was, like, one clear moment. Maybe my mom might be able to be like, oh, I know. But, yeah, so I think that was, like, the difference for me was that I still was trying to have that. I think we still were involved. He lived very close. And then when they first split up, he was living with my grandparents. So that actually was nice. I loved my, my dad's dad, my papa as well, and, like, his wife. Like, I was very close with them. So it was, a, it was just an interesting, yeah. like, process of figuring it out. Um, yeah, this has been incredible, um, and I really appreciate the honesty and and uh, sort of the vulnerabilities Shalina talked about. Janet has a question. Yeah, I know time's far spent, but I had a question. What would you say to children, or even those who? have walked your shoes, what would your message be to them that have been in similar circumstances? You're strong. Mm-hmm. I'm still going through it, so I don't know yeah. if I'm the place to kind of advise, but... I think I would like literally be like you need to get an advocate that's there for you like outside of your parents like I think like I'm like I think people should either be in therapy or like having some sort of support system support system that can be there to validate you because like it's nothing like like everything that like you're feeling is so valid but when I think especially when like your parent that has like is a survivor is going is still trying to deal with their trauma mm-hmm. and then you're also going through something very similar could be the exact same thing could be just kind of through them could be that it's I happening to you as you. well you're going through trauma and so it's just like bound to be a situation where like your trauma is going to trigger their trauma or their trauma is going to trigger your trauma and then there's this 
third-party violent person that's also there to just like stir things up and so I think that even when you have like the best parent that's there for you or the best support system I think that like getting help that's there to like be there for just you is I wish I'd had it sooner I wish I'd had it sooner and I think that I know it's not for everyone but I think it should be for everyone I think that you have to find a therapist that fits you and I agree I think I'm like yes if you're going through this you are incredibly strong and you will get through it and 100% yeah well some people don't get through it no um and I think I think mine goes very along the lines of like other people because I very much am like a relationship person Mm -hmm. I do not believe that like we as people exist in vacuums and like I think the reason that we find meaning in this world is with our relationships with people and so I never actually sought like professional like counseling or anything like that but my mom's next partner um, who at the time um, they were the support that like I needed so much Mm -hmm. and so I think I think what I would tell a child that's going through it now is because I was so attached to my mom is there there are other safe people in the world Mm -hmm. like I know that right now who knows it could be neither parent is safe for you but I, I think what I hear mostly is somebody latches onto one parent or like a sibling or like something like that. And that person becomes like their survival guide and their navigator. And so I definitely had that with my mom. But then when I actually met like another person that wasn't harmful and wasn't abusive and was super safe and made me feel like mm-hmm comfort and made me feel like I could speak to them and all of those things I realized that there are there are other safe people in the world it's not just my mom and then like going through life you know up till this point like like all the people that I'm surrounded in this room with right now you know and like my partner and certain friends like those are all safe people that I would give my life to so like I think and I think when you're a kid you're so kind of isolated in your own home and like your peers have no idea how to handle that type of like trauma and incident and so I think I would say that there are other safe people in the world and yeah. and you will find them one day and it, it doesn't just have to be this one person that yeah. you rely on to survive and you, you will know like for me I latched on to I found intimate relationships with my partners mm. where I found that love that I needed with my partners and the partners that I had, I was completely blessed to have them because they they have helped me to this mm. point where I've survived it. Mm. And to have someone to speak to, like I never confided in friends or anything like that because I never found that comfort or that safe zone with certain people because I was born in a, born in a different country so I wasn't raised with anyone mm. like from like grade one to whatever. Mm. I came in at an odd age and I had a different accent and stuff like that. So. I found that safe zone with the people I was currently in relationships with. And that doesn't always happen, but I was blessed enough to have that one person who, you know, at the end of at, at the end of the day, like they were there to listen to me mm-hmm. and they were always they always had 
always had a good relationship with my mom so they were like a mediator mm-hmm. and they would always be like it's okay and they would always hold mm-hmm. space for me to just rant and it was never like it's because you hate her and all that stuff it's because yeah. it's just mm-hmm. one thing and you will get past it so I think like what everyone mentioned before Amanda and Shalina just finding that safe person if you had to speak with someone I've never spoke with a therapist I don't think I ever would I'm just not that person but finding someone who you know at the end of the day is there for you and you can just speak and there's no judgment it's rare but it's there mm-hmm. it's rare but it's, it's there. there it's rare but it's <laughs> there <laughs> I like that that's a beautiful way to end um, I want to thank you three again as I was saying around vulnerability like you, you showed up you showed up you spoke openly and candidly and I know it was a very emotional conversation to to get into. We all cried when we were talking about our moms, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it made me really. That was the, uh, that was like the main. And you was gonna cry the whole time. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to. I was like, I'm okay. I'm not so okay. <laughs> no, at the beginning I was like, oh my god, that's <laughs> absolutely okay. And as we always start with a check-in, we're going to end with a checkout. What are we checking out though? Hmm? What's our we're, going to, we're going to start. We're going to start first of all with our wine rating. Yep. Um, so they didn't have any. Amanda, did you? No, no. it was it's just you and I. Oh, okay. What, what did you? What's your, What would you give it? Um, I give it like a three and a half. Oh. Whoa! You said it was a Shalina wine. You were wrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I I would actually prefer sweeter. But you know, it's it's interesting. This is a twelve percent Moscato. That's huge for Moscato. Moscatos mm-hmm. are usually like seven. So maybe that's why it's not that sweet. You didn't think this was sweet? No, it's not sweet enough for this me. This is like sweet sweet. Oh my giddy up. That was just too much for me. That was it, you see, it's actually like I'm gonna give it a three point eight. As okay. opposed to a three point five. The yeah. point three. Yes. Um I would give it a two. Oh, oh no, it was I want to try. I feel like every wine that I bring, NECA gives like a terrible I rating. I do too. not. I do not. I have some lovely, lovely, delicious wine in your company. It's too sweet for me, so I, I'm I'm good with a two. Amanda? Nom, nom, nom. It is sweet. It is. But it's not as sweet as your usual ones. Okay. Yeah. So what would you give it? Like a 3.5. Oh. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, okay. Each their own. Um, what would Janet give it? Two. Oh, oh. Thank you. Thank you. It's pretty dry, but it's it's dry. What did you give it, Nick? Oh, I gave it a two. two. I gave it a two. Yeah. It got so, a two point eight there we overall. <laughs> the point eight Ooh. saved it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And the 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 label was beautiful. The label it is was beautiful. So delightful to yeah. look at, but anyway. Uh, we're gonna go around and... We need a fun checkout question. We need to... Um... Uh... We don't have to, sorry. I just needed... I, I need a... You need a fun <laughs> checkout question. Okay, so what movie are you going to... Do you want to watch? That's a fun one. Very good. What, what's currently playing? Currently or, or, playing. Or has played that you would watch again. Okay. I'm gonna start. I kinda, I heard there's a Paw Patrol movie. (laughs) Paw Patrol. And my sister, she absolutely loved Paw Patrol. But like, I feel uber guilty leaving her 
because my mom's in Jamaica too, so she's staying with my grandma, and she's like four in September, oh, and she's my sweetheart. So I want the Paw Patrol movie to come out so I can break her into it, so I can make up for my guilt. That's <laughs> <cute>. <laughs> Like, yeah. Paw Patrol. Um, I want to see, there's a movie in theaters right now, actually, I may have left already. It was called Crawl. And oh, with the alligators. With the alligators. And like, I'm in. It's not out I, yet. Yeah, yeah it no, it yeah, was, it yeah. Um, and I'm kind of like, I'm into movies like that where I feel like it can't possibly happen to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, like, so yeah. So, cool. I'm like interested. And then, actually, I was telling somebody this, and then they were like, oh, that actually happened in Florida when there was a hurricane. All these alligators came in, and um, they were in people's pools and houses and like all this stuff. God. And I was like, Okay. Okay. Well, I live in, in Florida. Canada, yeah. We are in yeah, 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 yeah. Based. We don't have yeah. no. I love going to the movies. It's my favorite self-care activity. So I'm like, oh, there's so many. I s- still haven't seen Rocket Man, the Elton John movie. I really want to see that. And then I really want to see. I love horror movies. I love them. Um, Maybe I mean, scary enough. Oh, I love them. I made everybody watch that scary movie at the retreat. Like, I love horror movies. Oh, that's true, yeah. Um, and so there's two that I really want to see. So Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, I think oh, is the name of it. Oh, gosh, no. Those were based off books, no. and it was books that I read when I was a kid, like in grade four or five. Yeah. They were in Scholastic Book Orders, which oh, is a thing yeah, if you I were... It's like Goosebumps, but they were just, there was three of them, and they were really creepy, gross stories, and they made a movie, and so I'm, I haven't even seen a trailer, I literally just saw the name, and I was like, I have to see it. Yeah. Um, and then the second part of It is coming out in September. Oh, it is. It is, it is. I also want to see the Harriet movie. That's uh, my. Harriet. That's that's what I. That's what you were that's looking for. That's what I am waiting for. Or is that was yours? That was gonna be your checkout. That was my checkout. But thank you, Karen. Yes. For, for that movie's out. a bomb ass movie. It is Harriet Tubman, and it's uh, cool with Cynthia Erivo, my new girl crush. So when it comes out, I think it's November first. We're, we're all going. We're all going. We should all take. A, we should go see a VIP and have wine. We will. Sounds great. We are. That's what we're yeah. doing. So. That was honestly phenomenal. Thanks thank for leading us in yeah, that thank discussion. You. Well, and holding space. If anybody has any questions or you want to talk about anything, you want us to talk about anything on the podcast. You or if you want to talk about anything. Or if you want to talk about anything. <laughs> <laughs> or if you want to send in like a letter or anything like that. Or, or sponsor us. Or sponsor. Or just sponsor us. We're just as excited about your personal letters as we are about sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can email us at podcast at womenatthecenter.com. And we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.